Here it is. Again. And it's cold. I believe that the music I heard is a killer. It's a killer of hope. It's a killer of spirit. And Devo plays for Muffy's party. We bring you an act who at first may shock you. The Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo. Let's go! Hey, everybody. I'm Rob. And I'm Joseph. And welcome to the Patrick Fitzgerald Deep Dive Edition of Deep Dives and Deep Cuts, Punk, Post-Punk, and New Wave 1976 to 1986. Patrick Fitzgerald broke my brain. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not only that, but on a certain level, he broke this podcast, too. Yes, he did. Oh, you got to love him for it. <laughs> At least format-wise. So yeah. this episode uh, will basically look and smell like a like a deep dive episode um <laughs> but it's gonna have a slightly different format due to this sort of the slippery intangibility of patrick fitzgerald yes. uh, which i don't think is entirely inappropriate because kind of mirrors the inherent chaos of of being patrick fitzgerald mm-hmm. so um if you live in the States, uh, unless you're a personal friend of Rob's, yes. you're, you're almost um, certainly uh, not familiar with Patrick Fitzgerald. If you're in the UK, you probably also don't know about him <laughs> unless you were part of the punk movement in the late 70s. Or a personal friend of Rob's. Yeah. <laughs> but if you are familiar with any of his songs it's almost certainly one specific song so i think let's just get that out of the way right off the top um this is the title track from the first ep that patrick fitzgerald released in 1978 called safety pins stuck in my heart I don't love you for your graveyard eyes. I don't love you for your shaven thighs. I just love you for that beat, 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 beat it. I don't love you for your tattered tie. I don't love you and I don't know why. I just love you for that beat, 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 beat it. I've got a safety pin stuck in my heart. For you, for you. I've got a safety pin stuck in my heart. For you, for you. Safety pin stuck in my heart. You know, I've had this song stuck in my head for so long. I mean, ever since we started researching or, or getting this episode together. And Patrick Fitzgerald called uh, Safety Pin Stuck in My Heart a love song for the for punk music. And and that's that's exactly what it is. Yeah, we are uh, breaking many rules. Uh, about what a deep dive episode uh, looks like with Patrick Fitzgerald, and we'll get into why in a second. But one of the rules is typically we don't address EPs. But um, Mm -hmm. when the artist's most famous stuff is off of like his first EP, you can't just ignore it. Um, right. So we we are actually going, by the end of this episode, we'll uh, listen to three songs off of that EP. Uh, another rule that we're breaking is that we're playing songs that we've already heard before. So I believe that safety pins in my heart, uh, stuck in my heart. Um, we 
listened to last year during a bonus track episode mm-hmm. uh, when uh, when we were kind of noting the release of this uh, EP yeah. originally. So, uh, yeah, this is this is going to be a weird and hopefully wonderful episode uh, before we get in into how di- how this episode is going to be different than what we normally do. I just want to remind everybody we are talking about music. Music is art and there is nothing more subjective than art. Uh, this is an opinion show, but we always do try to be mindful not to get too opinionated because ultimately we are here to celebrate this extraordinary music that was produced during a pretty unique period of time. So Patrick Fitzgerald, I'm, I'm not sure I even know where to start other than I will say this. <laughs> For a deep dive, I don't think I've ever spent more time trying to prepare for a deep dive episode and felt the least prepared and knowledgeable uh, going into it to a deep dive. Um, so <laughs> I, this, he is just so obscure. And of course, I blame this all on you, Rob. It's it's my fault. <laughs> Because I was waiting for that. This is this is by far the most obscure artist that we've ever done a, a uh-huh. deep dive on. But he is your he was number one on your list of favorite punk artists. Yeah, so there's is. no way we could get around it. And I'm happy yeah. that we were doing it. And yeah. we are gonna hear some great music. But this is going to be sort of a hybrid of a traditional deep dive episode and just sort of like a listening party, uh, a, a music appreciation. Um, yeah. So we're actually, the good news is we're going to listen to more songs than we normally do in an episode. Uh, the bad news is that we're going to, there's going to be a lot of gaps um, <laughs> and we're going to be doing a lot of speculating because really you have to read between the lines when you're trying to suss out what Patrick Fitzgerald is about. Yeah, we're, we're really just kind of winging it right now, aren't we? <laughs> Um, you know, I, I will say this, and that is that um, when I first played uh, Patrick Fitzgerald for you, and I think the song that I played uh, was Set We Free, mm-hmm. it might be, mm-hmm. um, I could hear you light up. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You were so excited. And, and that is how I feel even right now listening to his music. Um, definitely still number one on my list. And, and, Probably will always be. So I'm really glad that we're doing this. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry that I have created so much work that never went anywhere. (laughs) Well, I I think the the main lesson learned is uh, that we... Don't listen to Rob. No. (laughs) No, I learned that a long time ago. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. uh, No, is that uh, we, moving forward, we should probably be a little less cavalier about the choices that we make for, for deep dives. Mm-hmm. Just to make sure that we can actually deliver on the goods, because I don't feel like we're going to be a, be able to do a very satisfactory um, job on well, on that front for the here. Yeah. So, so we're just going to listen to some great music. I want to set everybody's expectations a little bit lower um, than they normally are, which is probably fairly low, rightfully so. Anyways, but um, so. Typically, we do um, an artist 101, and I've got a little bit here, but I would say this is an artist one. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, 
Patrick Fitzgerald uh, was a uh, the, really the first punk folk musician um, to to really gain any sort of uh, traction, and he was. I'm not. I don't think he actually coined the phrase, but I think the phrase was first used on him. Yeah, Does absolutely. that sound right? Yeah, that's absolutely He's right. He's probably yeah. most famous for his, well, his first EP, but but really his first three EPs, they were uh, released by a small little boutique label called Small Wonder, which was actually a record shop that <laughs> uh, he was a patron of. He, when they started the label, he was the first artist to submit a demo, and um, they released his first three EPs uh, and which, and that's what got him a major record um, deal, which was, which, which was just one album. And we'll talk about that when we get to it. The top five songs on Spotify are surprise, surprise, safety pin stuck in my heart. Number two is Set We Free. Mm -hmm. Number three is Irrelevant Battles. All three of those off of his first EP should be noted. Uh, number four is Personal Loss. And number five is Drifting Towards Violence, which oh, yeah. has less than 2,000 listens. So this, yeah. Is, yeah. <laughs> this is how obscure he is. Um, and that is my... Patrick Fitzgerald 101. What do you want to add? Please have something to add. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, um, so yeah, he, you know, I, I think I mentioned that, uh, I think I mentioned last time we covered Patrick Fitzgerald that my favorite Patrick Fitzgerald stuff came before he cut his first, his first album, really. Um, and just because, and I think you mentioned that, he he was this lonely. He sounded like this lonely, sitting on a street corner playing an acoustic guitar kind of busker, and uh, that really is a big part of the sound of that early stuff that he mm -hmm. cut. You know, um, as far as as far as as far as uh, research, Joseph, I think you have done all the research that could be found on Patrick Fitzgerald. And just let no, I'm kidding. <laughs> There's more, but but yeah, I mean. The truth of it is, is that he was really big in the punk scene as far as people knew him. And he went to the gigs and he opened for people and he played at these, these gigs and clubs. He, he um, opened for the jam. At he opened one point for the for, jam. For, of all, for yeah. one of their tours. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so he, was, he was not completely unknown, but I, I think right. he was forgotten pretty quickly. Yeah. Sad, sad but true. Mm -hmm. um, when he uh, was trying to get really get going, he first approached David Bowie's original uh, uh, manager and was like, "Hey, uh, I'm looking for a manager." And the guy's like, "Really? Yeah. Well, I don't think so. Uh, sorry." And, <laughs> and so it didn't fly. But it it kind of got his foot in the door as far as getting started and getting into like you know cutting a real album networking and all that yeah yeah exactly mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay well um we 
are not going to do ranking of his albums because for a couple of reasons. One, we love them all. Yeah. <laughs> okay, three reasons. <laughs> um, the most obvious one is that uh, some of these albums we just couldn't find. Yeah. Um, I, I think that there are a couple of albums that we just found like one or two songs that we could sample. Um, yeah. And some of a couple of the albums uh, we couldn't find in one place, but most of the songs are on compilation so we could kind of piecemeal it together. It's really hard to get a sense of the continuity of an album and the feel of an album when you're kind of jumping from compilation to compilation to hear the stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, so I absolutely don't feel comfortable doing any sort of a ranking, but I will, uh, you know, pipe up when we get to certain albums, um, and talk about, you know, how, how I feel about the album. So sure. I guess we can just kind of jump into it, Rob, unless there's yeah. something well, else you want to, you want to note before we yeah, start j- jumping into it. I will say that. Even though I said my favorite stuff is before he cut his first album, really, is, is um, the truth of it is, is that all this music that I've been listening to in preparation for today, um, I I have really grown to like everything that I've I've heard, mm. even even more so. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, as we go through the albums, there's certain sounds and certain albums that that I really like because of the time of, you know, the year and the, what was going on. And it, I don't know, it's all contextual, but yeah, it's, it's all good. It's all good. And I can't wait to share it with everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, let's circle back to his debut EP, really the one that, that put him on the map and that is his most beloved, um, uh, safety pins. I, I keep, Playing fast and loose with the exact title of of this. It's safety pins stuck in my heart. That's correct, right? Yes. Yeah. Safety okay. pins singular. <laughs> safety pins stuck in my heart. Yeah. Okay. So I'm saying safety pins in my heart. I'm I'm just all over the place. So I guess the least I could do is is get the song title right. Um. So this is um. As I mentioned, probably his most famous release, and we heard Safety Pin Stuck in My Heart at the top. By far his most uh, famous song. I got to tell you, on this EP, it is there are several songs, actually the two songs that we're going to hear from this album. I like uh, this EP. I like much better than safety pins. So I don't dislike it, but I just kind of scratch my head about why is this the beloved song? I mean, set uh-huh. me free. That was the perfect song to introduce me to him yeah. because yeah. I find it a much more compelling song. We've uh, heard it before. We will hear it uh, towards the end of this episode. So everybody has something to look forward to, but uh, let's listen to the other song off of this album that is in the Spotify top five, um, Irrelevant 
battles. You're all too busy saving children in Chile and helping flood victims on the other side of the world. And when the war was over in Vietnam, you had three adopted boys and five adopted girls. Got a first with food parcels when they're starving in Afghanistan, India, Kenya, or anywhere really. I've seen some tramp past before the time on the street. You just said sorry, I'm fast, but not as fast as your feet. You're too busy fighting your irrelevant battles to see what's going on in your own backyard. Too busy fighting your irrelevant battles to see what's going on in your own backyard. Cause some of us are having a hard, hard time. Yeah, some of us are having a hard Patrick Fitzgerald. Hard time. Always has something on his mind, man. <laughs> Talk about being a sharp safety pin. His his lyric, just his mind and his lyrics and and what he likes to focus on, always very sharp and pointed. Um, love it. Uh, love the energy of the song. Well, yeah, it's. I, I mean, this is kind of what makes him punk rock you know because some of his some of his music doesn't necessarily sound punk rock but he's always kicking that message and and he's always shouting even if he's not shouting um but yeah what a what a song that's like i mean it's full of stuff (laughs) um and and it's definitely a punk song so in 1979 he releases his First studio album and his the only release on a major label that's Polydor. Uh, so they, they he he got obviously got notice um, and claim from these uh, first three EPs. So they signed him up, um, and he recorded. He got a stu- uh, studio band together that included. Um, like a, a member of Penetration and a member of the Buzzcocks, uh, but that was not the band that he toured with. And uh, he has noted um, since then that, you know, his, his part of what kind of crippled his career, he speculates, is the, is the fact that when he was touring, he had a completely different band, which presumably did the songs in a very different way. And then he didn't like just play the favorites over and over. Um, so it sounds like he kind of, he kind of felt like he shot himself in the foot as far as his career goes, you know, back then when, when, you know, the, the, the opportunity was, was Mm -hmm. perfect. Um, so we have listened to um, they they released they released a couple of singles, but nothing really got any traction. We have listened to a number of songs off of this album. So last episode, the bonus track episode, we listened to "Adopted Girl." Um, prior to that, we listened to "Suicidal Wreck" yep. and "Don't Tell Me Because I'm Young." Uh, so I find this curious, and I, I don't know if you've noticed this, Rob, but and it really sort of depends on the 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 speakers of the headphones that I'm listening to the songs. But it, it seems a little odd to me that this being the only major label studio release that he's done, um, the the production is good, except for. On some of the songs, it sounds like the levels, particularly his vocals, are recorded really hot. 
because you yeah. can hear this distortion. And I got to assume that it was intentional. Um, maybe it just felt really punk at the time. Yeah. But I find it really distracting, particularly when I'm listening to it on crappy headphones. And I, it just, it just, uh, it is of note. Uh, I always, it always kind of pulls me out of the song a little bit when I hear mm-hmm. it. I particularly noticed it on Don't Tell Me Because I'm Young. Right, right. Well, it's, it's very interesting because um, I, I did notice it as well. And I wondered about the production value, um, but the album was produced by Peter uh, Peter Wilson, who he produced Sham '69 and the Jam, and uh, you know a very capable producer. It's it's almost like those tracks were separate. You know, it's 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 very very interesting. Uh, I, I and I don't I don't know I don't know that's. It's very curious. I mean, um, my just because it's Patrick Fitzgerald, I yeah. my guess is that that was a choice that he uh-huh. made. That very really likely. that yeah. that feels right in my gut mm-hmm. um, because I can't imagine that they overlooked it. Um, but yeah. also just knowing his sensibility and the just the big continuous middle finger that he's flipping yep. to to the universe. Um, that fit that explanation fits right in with the it, the little yeah. that I know about Patrick Fitzgerald. <laughs> it it totally does, absolutely. So uh, we have uh, spent a fair amount of time talking about this album when we li- listened to it during our April 1979 episode, um, but we both like it a lot. We feel uh, I feel like. Um, the album title "Grubby Stories" really gives me permission to embrace the the odd s- jumps in style, which were mm-hmm. obviously very intentional. Uh, they're like they're it's like chapters in a book, um, right. and mm-hmm. I totally go with it. Some of the 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 styles and approaches I like more than others. I know you kind of tend to lean towards the, and, and this is going to be reflected in the, the song choices that we made tonight for yeah. this album. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I just think that it's funny that on Patrick Fitzgerald's first album, he has a song that sounds like it could have been written by Al Stewart. You know who Al Stewart <laughs> is? Year of the Cat, that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, um, I'm not playing it just because I think it's funny that it sounds like uh, an Al Stewart knockoff. Uh, I think it's pretty good. And um, and what makes what really makes the song is the subject matter. So you listen to it without listening to the lyrics. You think it's going to be about something, you know, really personal. And I think probably it is. But it's it's really just kind of lamenting. Uh, washed the washed up career of a uh, a wannabe rock star um, and if it wasn't released on his debut album <laughs> I would assume that it was totally autobiographical and it turned out to pretty much be so um, yeah. but he was 
I, I don't know if it was like, maybe he should blame it on that song as like a self-fulfilling prophecy or something. <laughs> all the years of trying, all the many interviews to get your views across, but they always got lost. Always nearly made it Your records never sold as many As your record company hoped they would And you never made You never You never made You never made the top 30 There's a song, much, much newer song, a more recent song of his, where he kind of sings about the same thing. Mm. And, uh, you know, so it's a song that came out, I believe, in the 2000s. And and he, he kind of sings about, you know, this this being washed up. And and, and uh, I listened to that song and almost cried because of, you know... I, I want Patrick Fitzgerald to be, uh, I want him to be world famous. I want people to know him. I want people to know his music. And and he's singing this song that's like, people don't know you. People don't listen to your music. And, and I'm yeah. like, oh, geez. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was a good choice. This all, all, all the years of trying was a good choice on your part. Um, but again, it puts a little tear in my eye. Mm, yeah. So one one thing I want to point out, uh, uh, which I I assume would be fairly obvious, but um, it's still a little atypical with like punk icons. So um, you know most most of the 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 artists, the punk artists that started out, like the Buzzcocks or whatever, they they went on. Regardless of the career, uh, the Saints, Chris Bailey is an excellent example where Mm -hmm. regardless of the ebb and flow of their success and popularity, they were still working musicians. Whereas my understanding is with Patrick Fitzgerald, there are good chunks of his adult life where making music is not his day job. Um, And uh so I, I I think that that should be noted. He he has um, uh, been a struggling artist to the point where I think it's at you'll you'll notice as we go through here. There's huge chunks where I think he's just kind of like almost retired from making music and just given up, and then and then he jumps back into it. So yeah, well there there was a time where he did. Yeah, he did really solidly retire and and went on to, you know, he went on to acting or he went on to being a waiter, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, and it's again that's one of those things that kind of makes you sad. It's mm-hmm. like, but but I think what it comes down to is music to him is an art. It's not his job. It's not a job. It's an art. And I think that's exactly why he sang the songs that he sang and, and made the choices in the production that he made, you know, well, uh, be- because it's an art to him. Yeah, you know, and I just like 
the more I listen, the more frustrated I get because he is yeah. obviously sort of like a kind of a, a, a special singular talent. And I just go, you know, if Polydor had just stuck with him, you know, it happened all the time back then. They would, they would, you know, invest time and resources into an artist that they really believed in. And they could release several albums before they completely hit their stride. Uh, Polydor dropped him right away. And boy, if he had just been on a label that really believed in him and gave him the support that he needed as far as hooking him up with the right producers and having the right manager and everything, I, 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 I think that we would have had um, just a, a whole bunch more of like really extraordinary music that we, we've been robbed of because, um, and my guess is that Pastor Fitzgerald sort of had a part to play. He probably, from everything that I've heard, he can, he can be, he could be pretty difficult to work with and, and all of that. So, but still, I just, over and over again, as I listen to this music, I just go, man, if, if the, if things had fallen into place, you know, we could have had some just absolutely extraordinary music that we don't. Well, if, um, if one, research for this episode has taught me, well, it's taught me a, a several things, really. But one thing it has taught me is that uh, people like Crispin Glover really like Patrick Fitzgerald's music. <laughs> I, I, I don't think there is a universe where, pa- where Crispin Glover wouldn't like yeah, Patrick Fitzgerald. That sounds exactly <laughs> right to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, can, you can actually... Crispin Glover has a record label, mm-hmm. and you can buy Patrick Fitzgerald music from from that record label. You can find them online. I just thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Um, and if somebody were to make a movie about Patrick Fitzgerald, I think it would be it should be Crispin Glover. <laughs> <laughs> hey, getting back to Grubby Stories, you've got a yeah. song uh, that you want to listen to off of this album as well, right? I do indeed. Um, you know, yeah, I I think I'm just gonna announce it. It's little fishes. Me and you are just little fishes and there ain't no way we can improve our lives. Me and you are just little fishes swimming in a rising tide. And it's no fun when you can't swim and you have to think about the problems of the drink. So you struggle on to the other side, but the, the water's higher now, your lungs are caving in and so me and you are just little fishes and there ain't no way we can improve. So these two songs off of this album are actually kind of perfect because I, I think they really sort of like delineate my feelings and what appeals to me about Patrick Fitzgerald as opposed to you, um, yeah. right? So this is Little Fishes is very much in the uh, busker with a busted up mm-hmm. acoustic guitar vein. Yeah, um, yeah. and I just. I think all of that is fine, but I I think that he is so much more than just that. And yeah. as we go through and and look at these different albums, and he he has got 
a musicality to him and sensibilities. You know, I was really surprised. There are quite a few songs that um, I love off of one album in particular, uh, where it's like the songwriting is good, the lyrics are good, his performance is good, but what really compels me about the the uh, the song is the arrangements and the mm-hmm. instrumental parts in all of that, which is not something you expect from a guy, you know, who starts out making the kind of music that he does. So he, he's yeah. got this this never-ending curiosity and restlessness to try different things. Probably didn't help his career any. Right, um, right. Uh, so speaking of which, I think we should just go into the next album because sure. um, this is going to be the first like hard 90 degree turn that he takes stylistically. So as I mentioned, um, Polydor drops him not too long after uh, Grubby Stories is released and he doesn't release another album until 1982. This is an album called Gifts and Telegrams. And uh, you know that it's Patrick Fitzgerald because of his voice and his lyrics and all of that. But musically, if if you took out his vocals, I don't think anyone would guess that. Oh, this is the 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 music uh, bed for Patrick Fitzgerald. So he he had gone completely solo. Uh you know, for this album. He didn't even have a manager. And, you know, like you said, Polydor dropped him, and he's like, screw it, I'm just going to do it on my own. He played all the parts. Um, you know, all the instruments, it was all him. And he, what he had done was he made some recordings so that he would have backing tapes, back tra- backing tracks to play while he, was, uh, while he was doing gigs, you know? Yeah, performing live. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and that is what this album is is all that stuff recorded by him. So he has something. This is this is almost like DIY. Oh yeah, you know punk rock, yeah. and it's it's pretty freaking cool. Uh, so before we get into the the style on this, I think we should just uh, play a song. Yeah. Uh, so let's listen to my pick off of this album, a song called Gray Echoes. London is just gray echoes Bad memories and dreams And someone far away London is all final messages Written on the walls In final bloodstreams Desperate people clutching at or clinging to their hopes. The better times exist, there always somewhere. He's obviously playing with the idea of stepping into new wave, um, but but I think exactly the thing I said before about his art is is what's going on here. And you even mentioned that. He tried so many different things. I think really it's like, this is where my art's going. This is how I feel right now. And and uh, it's dynamic. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, um, uh, New Wave, I, I, 
I see that because uh-huh. of the the keyboards and and synthesizers and and all of that. Um, but I actually tried to find some sort of a connection with Patrick Fitzgerald because I was just wondering how influenced he was by Joy Division, particularly on this uh-huh. album, because you know the the sound is very different, but. It really sounds to me like this is music that was that was written um, by somebody who is listening to a lot of Joy Division because it is um, everything is so cockeyed and difficult um, melodically, even though it is keyboards and everything. It is really abrasive in its own yeah. way, um, and it's not. This is this is not like even I don't consider it even as accessible as grubby stories. I mean, right. this is well, dissonant, very difficult, um, but intriguing um, music coming from a mind that is that is going in places that we can't possibly follow. Um, mm-hmm. And that sounds to me like um, an apt description for like the music that Joy Division did, you know. So, yeah. so I just, for whatever reason, I just kept thinking of Joy Division um, while I was listening to this album. Might be why I liked it so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there's definitely some sort of like dark play going on here you know it's it's very uh theatrical and very um you know it kind of, it just kind of reminds me of like this this melodrama yeah i mean you know? definitely a visionary that no didn't resonate with anybody sort of like a leader that nobody chose to follow um uh, but yeah. he's he is um well, like uh forging his own path stylistically and i really appreciate it but but this is this is a difficult album this is one of his most difficult albums but uh, intriguing um so let's um let's listen to your pick what's uh it's is world is getting better is that your favorite song off this album um that's a very good question Um, it is a song, it, it be- definitely stuck out to me off of this album. It was, it was, I think, probably the most, um, I, I want to say interesting. Uh, let's just say that. Let's say it's my favorite. <laughs> the world is, world is getting better. Um, I tried to to the cause, a cause of nauseation for you. Yo, 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 gave me all the answers. What we could do, what we would do, what we should do and must just. I was always busy, always mindless, always dizzy, always just confused by everything. So I just stand and sing that the world is getting better. The world is getting better, the world is getting better And its problems have all gone away 
kind of gets back to the idea that we're kind of breaking our, our format for this deep dive because the definition of a studio release or a yeah. uh, is is broken when it comes to Patrick Fitzgerald, right? So this is um, this album is just a bunch of music that he put together as his backing for his live stuff and then kind of <laughs> piecemealed it together and then released it as an album. So yeah. it's not a it's all new material. It's not live. So I guess we call it a studio album, but it's not a studio album in the literal sense. <laughs> Are you telling me that Polydor didn't want to do that? <laughs> I can't understand. <laughs> okay, let's move on to 1984. So uh, drifting towards violence. Mm-hmm. My guess is, and this is pure speculation, of course, was that Patrick uh, Fitzgerald, after uh, the last release, went, oh, this is not the path for me to like build a career on. So this yeah. feels like a bit of a course correction as far as as far as a logical follow-up album to Grubby Stories. It feels like he's getting more back into his like traditional lane which yeah. was probably smart move even though um career wise it didn't seem to help much but um it does not appeal to me because it it does there's not it doesn't feel particularly fresh um but it is well done um this is one of my I don't dislike it. I, I just, I find it um, not very exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how are you feeling about drifting towards well, violence? You know, he, he's gone back to the mostly acoustic sound. Yep. Um, and uh, so it's a sound that I really dig, especially coming from him. I mean, you know, I love Joy Division, obviously. I think we've talked about it. Um, but for Patrick Fitzgerald, I dig that scratchy kind of you know uh, i built this guitar out of a very you know a, a, a peach box and some string <laughs> you know what i mean it it sounds more natural to me yeah except for so. that's sort of the point that i wanted to make about this album is it sounds less like that like piecemealed mm-hmm. and sounds more like a a mindfully produced studio uh, album right so the the acoustic guitars are not um you know they're like double tracked on albums they are they are they sound like they're like multiply mic so on on the 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 first eps it's it sounded like they just like took one microphone like a cardioid microphone and aimed it like right at the center of the mm-hmm. of the guitar, and so it's got that like really um, sharp, almost brittle, abrasive sound. Whereas yeah. on this album, it is it's got a, a much like fuller, warmer sound to it. And a, as I mentioned, multi-tracked um, on on several of the tracks. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Well. The sad thing is, I mean, I mean, I did, I did like this album, but the sad thing is, is that it, it didn't get uh, advertised. The the record label that, you know, that he did this on, I mean, they didn't ad- advertise anything. They didn't push the album anywhere, and it just it fell. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just plummeted. Mm-hmm. It crashed. Mm-hmm. Um, 
he did he did go he did go on tour for this though. Yeah, yeah. And it proved it proved that uh, like, much like David Hasselhoff, Patrick Fitzgerald is big in Europe. Yeah, but I don't think he was ever ever David Hasselhoff big. <laughs> No, yeah, I guess he wasn't. <laughs> that's the thing, right? That's what we gauge people's popularity on. David Hasselhoff. That, yes. It is definitely a thing. <laughs> and to be fair, I think that it's it's really when it comes to David Hasselhoff, it's really Germany, right? I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't right think he's he he was ever. I've never heard of him being big in the UK. Yeah, no, no, no. I know he's not. They're not crazy about him. Or not. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so uh, let's listen to a couple of uh, songs off of that. Your pick is what? Family outing. You've been taken for the fools you are. There's no more money at the bottom of the purse. Black looks at the breakfast table. Life goes on from bad to worse. Saving up to take the kids to Whip's Night. We'll have a while of a time. Get your ticket on the family cheap rate. Fate dictates you travel by rail. You've got a cutter's conversation for your scars. Now you can go anywhere, anytime. Fate dictates you stay right there. There's somebody's body on the railway line. The little hands that claw at your arm didn't mean to do you any harm but they didn't want to listen when you tried to explain all they kept saying was I definitely hear the uh, the multi-track sound mm-hmm. and uh, in the vocals in the in the, in the instrumentation um, but he's still singing those songs oh he is all there there is never a moment in his career where he phones in when it comes to lyrics or ideas I mean, he's always super barbed. Uh, at the end of the show, we will listen to something that was released last year. Um, still very, very barbed. Uh, God yeah. bless his... Uh, cotton socks. His cotton socks. God bless his cotton socks. Sure. You know, his timing is really cool. I, I mean, I just I love everything about uh, how he's put these songs together and how he delivers, you know? Mm-hmm. It's... Sharp, very sharp. I'm sorry, I can't get bats past cotton socks. Is that a thing? <laughs> God bless his it cotton socks. That, yeah, yeah. It's uh, I have a friend from Leeds who uh, always said, "Oh, bless his cotton socks," and uh, <laughs> apparently, it's it's bigger in the UK. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I love it. Love it. Love it. Um, so the song I picked off of uh, this album is Domestication. And I must say that the uh, the two songs that we're listening to, I think, are by far the standouts on this album. Uh, yeah. they, they are kind of the most interesting, um, the, the sharpest, and the energy is a little bit higher. I'll tell you I'm happy about it isn't so. Staring at the walls of our newfound home Where does the money come from to buy the rent? Equate the amount earned with the effort spent Taking the first step wasn't so difficult I just seemed to drift into the situation Taking the last step isn't so easy And the final few footsteps into domestication Okay, yeah, it's it's multi-tracked and it's more produced. Uh, but damn, uh, every time I hear a song by him, this album including, it's 
it it just grabs me you know mm -hmm. um the lyrics are just amazing and uh, i i i don't know i would go crazy with all the patrick's all the patrick fitzgerald songs that i could get my hands on mm -hmm. i just go nuts mm -hmm. with it 1986's um tunisian twist uh, once again, Patrick Fitzgerald is throwing us for a loop stylistically, uh, which is a wonderful thing. Makes me really, really love him as a singular artist. I want to hear what you think about this album, because this is very different than anything yeah. that he's done at this point. Yeah, for sure. Well, the album's definitely sounding more mainstream. Um, it it's, I mean, he's playing with a full band. He's got a horn section. Um, and uh, I don't know. You know, I, it's, okay, funny. So the sound is totally different. The energy is totally different. And still he's singing about those same things, those songs that we talk about. So all the issues, it's, I don't know. I mean, I just find him very authentic. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so you what know? did you... What did you think about this album? I mean, I actually quite enjoyed it. I, I quite mm -hmm, enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. This is by far my favorite album of his. Yeah. I oh, love cool. this album. <laughs> and this is, you know, getting back to, I mean, you listen to his first uh, EPs and his first album. Oh. Well, okay. Let's say his first EPs. Never would have guessed that he was capable of an album like this. So oh, this yeah. is I, I pretty much like every song uh, on here. I like them for completely different reasons than any of his stuff that he's released up to this point. And um, his his singing and his lyrics and the songwriting is all all really good. I mean, he is trying something new. And once again, he's just, he's providing his own unique take on it. Um, but I got to say, my favorite parts of a lot of these songs is the stuff where he is not singing, where it's just the music, the, the instrumentation of, of the songs and everything, I think is really good. I have no insight into it's possible that somebody came in and did all of the arrangements. My mm -hmm. sense is that that's not true because you can hear um, throughout his career he has a strong sense of of musicality, even though at the beginning yeah. is very stripped down and just him banging away at a um, an acoustic guitar. But even in gifts and telegrams, you you can see that this is the guy who who visualizes music on several different levels, right? And and arranges because. Although on this album, we don't have a sense of how much of a hand he had in, in the arrangement part of it, although I suspect it was extensive. But we know for Gifts and tel Telegrams, that was all just him. So we yeah. know that he has a very um, astute and adventuresome sense of arrangement of music. And... And he is doing some uh, very lovely, disturbing, but there's a, a real sort of like understated quality to the songs 
where they're a little bit more laid back and you have to to really kind of dig in for the sharp barbness of the songwriting. It's there, but uh, I just, I find this album beguiling. Um, and I, I suspect that it's going to be one that I, come back to time and time again. Um, it's a it's a low-key, um, not very adventuresome, but has multitudes going on in it. Um, and I, I just think he, everything that he tries to do on this album uh, is working. Yeah. Uh, compl- what a surprise. Well, if I tell you, we have just learned that Patrick Fitzgerald is one intangible <laughs> and two beguiling. <laughs> and uh, no, I think you're right. So, so saith um, I. The, yes, exactly. <laughs> one of the things I really like about this album is, you know, again, he's singing those songs, but but musically, it's so interesting. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it it really is the energy behind it. It's. It, I mean, this is what I like most about this album. And a lot of times, it's what I like about songs tends to be, because I'm a storyteller, tends to be the stories and and the delivery of the story. This, I don't know, it's it's fun. And I can't tell you that this is my favorite album, but I had a lot of fun listening to Mm -hmm. it. Okay, so what is your pick? I picked Finger of Lesotho, and... Again, mostly because of of the mu- music uh, musical arrangement. Small but contentment as it placed the present in the box. Sealing up the wrapping paper, waiting for the gooey eye. Motorcycle messenger riding through the ride. As I mentioned, I pretty much like every song off of this album. this is one of my favorite among like four or five. Uh, yeah. I I just I'm very happy because I know that that this is an album that um, I will. There are certain albums that I just doesn't matter how long ago I discovered them. Just every once in a while, I come back to them. Uh, when I'm in a certain mood and I want to be, I want something that's low key and beguiling, but not, um, you know, tepid or vapid. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is, I, th- I, I consider this a uh, a really a pretty special album. Um, yeah. So the 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 first song on on this album is a song called Fa- Factory of Wines. And it sounds like it could be almost like an 
middle of the road, um, easy listening hit, except mm-hmm. for the lyrics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So thank God for that. And and the things that he's is is this the only duet? The, I think this is the only duet that I've heard him do with with a female yeah. vocalist. It might be it might be the only duet that he's done in in this career. Like he's you know he he has done stuff uh, under a different name and he's done some stuff with other people that that are is also hard to impossible to find. But uh, this might be the only duet he's done as Patrick Fitzgerald. Yeah. Are you are you familiar with a band called the Beautiful South? I am not. So um, are you familiar with the House Martins. Uh, I know. Okay. I have, so, I'm, I'm so really when the when the House Martins split up, uh, a one or two of the members uh, formed Beautiful South, and this really uh-huh. almost sounds like a Beautiful South song, um, which which you know th- they're a little bit cheesy, but um, mm-hmm. my kind of cheesy, and this not lyrically, of course, but. Um, musically particularly with the uh female vocalist kind of i like this song in the same way that i like a lot of the beautiful south stuff oh, sweet. in the factory of once they didn't recognize him the man from the management dressed in plain clothes in the factory of once they didn't realize drinking a glass of red and holding it up to his nose vibe um but you're right the lyrics the lyrics say it all and uh, what a what a great duet uh do do you know the name of the uh female vocalist that he's with here i have no idea <clears throat> wow she's amazing yeah do you oh no 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 I okay don't. i don't um but but she's really yeah. good i mean i'll i'll have to like figure that out i'll have to find mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. yeah she's mm-hmm. great well, uh, after this album, he doesn't release anything um, for uh, nine years. Yeah. Uh, so it isn't until 1995 that uh, Pillow Tension is released. This was an extremely... Well, we failed when it came to um, being able to track down and f- familiarize us uh, ourselves with this album. So I yeah. think, well, I know that I have only heard one song off this album. You you dug up the song "Charlie Leads a Life of Crime." Were were you able to track down anything else off of this album? I was able to find more. Um, I was able to find the album and listen to more of the songs. Uh-huh. Um, I have no information on the album at all, uh, but and and the sad part is is that I only found 
the album like an hour before we started recording. Ah. So I only got to hear Charlie Leads the Life of Crime. But later on, I heard Boy on a Motorcycle and thought it was really cool. There's some re really interesting guitar mm -hmm. in there. and um, But, you know, so I, I did get to hear the rest of the album. So um, did you get enough of a sense to uh, to tell us if uh, the song we're about to hear, Charlie Leads a, a Life of Crime, is fairly typical of the rest of the content on the album, or is it more of an anomaly? Because I, I really like this song, and if yeah. the whole album is kind of in this vein, then I'm definitely going to... You're going to have to send me the link um, that, yeah, yeah. that you found totally to it, not. because I would, I would love to hear the rest of it. Um, this is, once again doesn't sound anything like uh, what was on his 1986 release but um but still i i like it a lot so let's listen to charlie leads a life of crime off of the 1995 release entitled uh, pillow tension charlie leads a life of crime but his unskilled work didn't make enough money for him and his wife and his child to get by. Charlie isn't the worst of his kind. A small deal here, a small deal there. A small meal maybe once a fortnight, then back to the real world. It just got to the point where his wife couldn't take it anymore. Strange faces at the door in the afternoon, threatening the children. Just got to the point where she'd had enough Another child on the way She just wished that he would stop So Charlie leads a quiet life But his unskilled work didn't make enough money for him Charlie leads a life of crime is typical of the rest of the sound. I don't say the rest of the sound. The song I mentioned, Boy on a Motorcycle, is, a, is not so typical sounding. Mm -hmm. um, but... Charlie Leads the Life of Crime is pretty much the way the album sounds. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it, I find this interesting that Charlie Leads the Life of Crime is the one song that, w that we found, you know, initially from this album. It's, it, it, I, so it must be the most popular song, you know, maybe 20 people have heard it or something. I don't know. But <laughs> it is a good song. And, and it, it is a good album. So... Uh, I'll definitely send you the link, and maybe we should, I don't know, at some point uh, give a holler out to where to find the album if people are interested. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Which I don't have on me at the moment, but damn it. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, I can't really talk about an album that I haven't listened to, so I'm ready yeah. to move on when you are. Yeah, let's do it. 2001 sees the release of Room Service, and the key to this album is the word room, as in bedroom, because these are all songs that he recorded, literally recorded in his bedroom, yeah. and it really sounds <laughs> like it. Um, and I like bedroom music in the sense that I think there's a real value to it as mm -hmm. a, a a part of personal expression, but I'm not certain that other people need to hear it. And that's kind of where I come, come away from this album. I mean, it just, yeah. it sounds 
too much like a guy just recording in his bedroom for um, me to the point that that I, I get distracted by it and can't really focus on the song so much. That's interesting. Yeah, I've got a friend who recorded an entire album in a bathroom, and it's got wide distribution. Mm-hmm. Um, and you never would know that it was recorded in a bathroom. And I've heard of people yeah, doing that. Yeah, and that that is fine if it doesn't. But yeah. this really sounds like sounds like yeah. he did it in his That's bedroom. Right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So I I my assessment is you have to be a hardcore Patrick Fitzgerald fan and a completist to to really get into yeah. this album but that's just me where, where are you at with it um yeah i'm kind of in the same place it wasn't too crazy i mean i like the album okay and like i said i i enjoy everything that i've heard from him um but it's it's probably on the low scale for me as far as as far as a really good album. Now, you mentioned something. You said you have to be a completist, a Patrick Fitzgerald completist. I want to meet one of those. <laughs> I want to meet one of those. I want to meet you if you're a Patrick Fitzgerald completist, and we need to talk because uh, I got to hear I got to hear more. <laughs> There's probably a couple out there. Okay, so uh, the song that you picked off of this is a song called Patriots, so let's listen to that. Looking through the family tree, no particular period. Friends and relatives come from all sorts of places. Which nationality am I? I can't quite really say. This nation, that nation, this nation, that nation. All at war, it just goes to show just how pointless. Just how confusing nations are. Probably my favorite song on the album, Patriots. Uh, again, not you know, not crazy about the album, but again, I I enjoyed the you know enjoyed it as a whole. It's it's it, you know it's Patrick Fitzgerald, and I will listen to pretty much anything he does, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the next two releases that are released in the aughts, um, we originally had them on our list, and then as I was struggling to track them down, it was brought to my attention that both of them are not... they Well, they're definitely not studio albums, for sure, um, as is par for the course with Patrick Fitzgerald, but they're not even really releases of new material. So they there's like on each of them there's a couple of new songs and then like live versions of old songs or new renditions of old songs. So we actually because we were struggling with everything else, we um we decided to skip them. Uh, but I will note them. So uh, floating population is an album with a few new songs and then alternate versions, uh, recordings of older songs. And then Dark Side of the Room was a split a CD with the band Pog, that's P-O-G. It contained oh, yeah. um, 12 tracks by Fitzgerald, um, mostly versions of old songs. Yeah, probably hailing back to the, the great bedroom recordings of 2001. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then 2012, an album called Subliminal Alienation, which I wasn't be able to, I wasn't able to track anything down. How about you? Yeah, yeah, same here. So um, we we know that it exists, uh, but that's about it. And, and it, I think it all comes down to uh, the fact that he is hugely popular locally. Mm-hmm. And not as known globally. And God damn it, I want I want people to know him. I want I want a documentary made about Patrick Fitzgerald. I want Crispin Glover to film it. And uh, <laughs> you know, I I really think that. And I think we're doing a favor to a lot of people right now by by playing a little bit of music and and kind of letting. I don't know how much we're educating them. <laughs> But we're letting That's him know that Patrick definitely is definitely the there. blind leading the blind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but Patrick Fitzgerald's out there, and you guys, ah, uh, man. If and I, I want to throw this out there. If anybody that listens to our podcast that has has already known him before going into this episode. Uh, and has anything to share, please let us know. We want to hear it. Yeah, I mean, if if you're if the extent of your knowledge is uh, safety pins, then probably don't bother. But um, yeah. if you if you own albums of his and were you know eagerly awaiting his new release next release, then we definitely want to talk to you. Yeah. Um, I think think it would be very edifying. Okay, so that that's it as far as the albums that he released. Now, we didn't have a lot to say about these, so I figured we would just um, spend the next uh, extra couple of minutes just listening to a few more songs. This is the sort of like listener appreciation part. Yeah. So at the top of the show, I mentioned uh, that uh, there was a new release from Patrick Fitzgerald just last year. Uh, it was a, a single, well, two songs. And one of the songs, I can't remember the name of it, but it, it's definitely a cover. I, um, I recognized it from when I was a kid. So instead, we will listen to the other song that was released last year, a song called No Santa Clauses. Faces staring from paintings on walls Footsteps walking in faraway halls Do not worry the occupants They're simply something that came with the mansion Voices speaking by blocked up coal fires An army of butlers, footmen and esquires Keep the place occupied free from the voices Of dissent from decades gone by No sense of causes will come down the chimney this year Spirits of the children who died up there sweeping them so many years ago. I'm a little creeped out by this song. <laughs> yeah, pretty dark and you know, surprisingly produced, you know, from yeah. you know, just compared to the stuff that he was releasing for the 20 years prior to that. Uh, kind of surprise. Nice, 
weird, dark, creepy. Yeah. He he hasn't hasn't lost his his fangs. Uh, his claws are still just as sharp. Um, kind of a kind of a fun, nasty little song. It is. It is. It it reminds me of uh, something that. Uh, not necessarily Danny Elfman, but something that might be in a Tim Burton mm, film. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Moving on to the next song. So the very first Patrick Fitzgerald song I heard was the song that you introduced me to when you were talking about how he was your favorite punk artist. Um, yeah. A song called Set We Free. This was included on the um, legendary... Safety Pins EP Um, and I just I don't understand why this isn't the song that everybody knows if they know um, Patrick Fitzgerald at all We're used Abused We kiss your pretty feet at your every command We're used Misused We talk to each other but we don't understand We're losing time Patience and respect and everything else Cause you are the boss of your everyday slaves And we're tired and we're hungry So set we free Set we free Set we free Set we free You're the boss of the office You're the boss of the shop You're the boss of the factory This is by far my favorite Patrick Fitzgerald song. Um, It's not... I I think I might have said last time we talked about him, it was the first song I heard. Safety Pin Stuck in My Heart was the first song I heard by him. But this was the second song I heard by him. And this song right here, it blew my mind. Um, And I'm with you. I, I, You know, Polydor was... I don't know, they were sleeping on this. They, they no, well, really this this was not Polydor. This was not a Polydor he, song. That's right. That's right. But I guess I guess what I feel is that whoever whoever was was working with him at the time could have and should have just kind of held on and gone a little farther, but they didn't take that extra step. Um, now wait a minute. Let's let's back up here um, and and kind of parse out that statement because what you said yeah. don't, doesn't make any sense to me. So, this is um, the first three EPs that yes. he did were off of Small Wonder, which was a boutique label from the Small Wonder uh, yeah. r- okay. record shop. So, obviously, good, they yeah. would. My guess is they would have loved if he had stayed yeah. with them, but Polydor yeah. came by, you know, dangling the the, the big studio money in in yeah. front of him, and so that was You're his right. choice. So yeah, that was definitely his. So choice. even though um, uh, Patrick Fitzgerald most certainly had his fair share of bad breaks, I don't think that there's that we can we can throw any grief towards um small wonders uh I, no 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 you're absolutely yeah. right about that and and i i figure that they i mean you know they were a record store to start yep. with they you know they they took on this this thing about you know re, you know producing albums and they 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 went for it but but you're right it's it's not them that that i'm shaking my head about uh, <laughs> It's not them. Yeah. And, and uh, another thing that you may be, be right on is that Patrick Fitzgerald made choices. 
And those choices weren't always maybe the best choices. As, um, as far as his career goes. Yeah, as yeah. far as his career. He was, he was so. maybe more of a rebel and less of a shrewd journeyman. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, um, we actually... I was afraid that we were not going to be able to fill up an episode of of uh, talking about Patrick Fitzgerald just because of the lack of information that we had. But we obviously didn't lack um, our own personal opinions and feelings about it. So, so we we um, I think we have a couple of minutes to just note uh, uh, a few things that are not Patrick Fitzgerald related. Real quick, I wanted to shout out to Steve M., who wanted to throw out a little bit more knowledge about the cuddly toys. So, um, the I believe it was the March episode, we talked about their one studio release, and he just noted that before they were cuddly toys, they were known as the, as the Raped. And they released two singles that were very controversial. And he didn't flat out say this, but it uh, kind of reading between the lines, they, my sense is that they might have been more notable for that than the actual studio release that, that they uh-huh. did as Cuddly Toys. So thank you to Steve for um, educating us a little bit more about that we always appreciate that anything you want to cover before we say our farewells well no i i uh i want this episode to get out to crispin glover i'm just going to say it again so before we say our farewells let's just talk about the song that we're going to go out on of course it is a patrick fitzgerald song um and it is actually the title track off of the Tunisian Twist album, my favorite of his. And, you know, normally, Rob, when we record the episodes, we have no idea what the song is that we that we lead the episode into. You know, the song mm-hmm. that plays over the sound bed of, of uh, sound bites and all of that. Right. But I do know that... Um, it is going to be this song, um, oh. and we're going to go out on it as well. I mentioned when we were discussing this album uh, how I really liked, you know, some of my favorite parts of the album uh, was the the, uh, the the music, the instrumentation, the non-vocal parts. And, of course, not a reflection on his vocals, but just it is done so well that it kind of blows my mind that I would hear something of this caliber on an album by a guy who started out his career doing the Safety Pins EP. Um, So because I love this song, it's probably my favorite song on, on, on the album, um, I just I wanted to highlight it and kind of go out on a high note. So we are going to go out on that. Um, the first Sunday of next month 
we get to explore May of 1979, some classic, iconic, epic masterpieces coming out. Wouldn't you say? Oh, no. I am so looking forward to it. Some of my favorites, actually. Some of my very favorites. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, indeed. So please keep your eye open for that at the beginning of the month. And otherwise... I think I have said my piece. Um, any last thoughts about Patrick Fitzgerald? No, I think he's, you know, he's a genius. Yep. That's pretty much it. Yep. I think he's a genius. Okay, Rob, once again, as always, thank you so much for um, uh, going through this little uh, twist filled and very mysterious career of Patrick Fitzgerald. I'm so glad that I didn't have to do it on my own. Thank you again for introducing (laughs) him to me. Uh, It is an almost certainty I would have gone through my entire life without being aware that he existed um, if you hadn't brought him up. So thank you for that. Yeah, now you can spread the word as well. Yeah, yeah, that's... (laughs) It's not what we're doing. I guess that's what we're doing here. That's exactly right. Okay, everybody, thank you so much for sticking with us to the bitter end. We will talk to you very, very soon. See ya. Every evening at three minutes past five, he visits the girl who works behind the counter in the chip shop. He buys some chips also. She always gives him the smallest, greenest, most undercooked ones she could find. He always complains. 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 He always complains.